band? Whose keys and phone are these? You want those? Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Uh, welcome again to Hiawatha Church for the third time, I think. My name's Eric. I'm an elder here. And uh, every, every year, each of the elders preaches at least once. And Chris likes to stack them together so that we, you can see all of us together, but also so he can get a really nice long break. So he'll be back next week. Um, you know, we were planning for this week, Spencer, Chris, and I, and we said, okay, so Eric, you take the preaching. I got that. Spencer said, I'll do the welcoming. We wore our shirts to match. Chris is like, I got the air conditioning, guys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and you didn't even wear the shirt. <laughs> so so he'll, we'll put him back on preaching, and someone else will be on air conditioning next week, I promise. Um, okay, so let me find. Do I have my clicker here? All right. We are in the book of John. Um, before we get started, though, I wanted to introduce myself because we have a lot of new people here over the last year. So, um, like I said, my name's Eric. Um, my family, we've been coming to Hiawatha since about, since I was about six months old or so. So we started in February. It had launched the September or October before. There was about 40 people here. It was great. Still great. Um, we, so we've been here for like 15 years. We took a brief stint off in Toronto, um, where I was reassigned for work for a little period of time, and then we came back here six years ago. And we live in the Nokomis neighborhood, and this is my family. So Rose is right here, but also right here. She's, she's pretending she's the one taking the picture, but I was the one that took the picture. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the family because of the, my arm span. I'm the selfie taker for the family or the ussy taker. And, uh, and then that's Leah there. You guys probably know her. She's up here a lot, uh, welcoming people, and she leads our women's ministry. Calvin in the middle is 17, uh, going on 18, and, uh, and so he's going to be a senior in high school this year. Isaac is 15, going on 17, and will be a sophomore, <laughs> or 16. <laughs> he thinks he's 25. Um, and so, and the two of them have been uh, off at camp all summer um, as counselors, so it's been kind of weird. We're getting used to what the idea of them not being in the house anymore is going to feel like, and we don't really like it. So, uh, and then that's me. That's us on vacation over spring break this last year. Um, so that's about me, just so you know who's talking to you. Today we're going to talk, we're going to go through John chapter 10, uh, verses 22 through 30. This is, let me find this here. But before we get there, I'm kind of a high-level guy. I should have said this before, too, um, as an introduction to this. I work corporate for a living, so I don't really do this a lot, except for like when I have to present to people, not preach to people. And I'm rewarded for brevity. So the first time I wrote this ser sermon and went through it yesterday, I was like, oh, no, it's only 20 minutes. So don't worry, guys. Um, I added like 30 more minutes. It's going to be fine. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, we'll probably move through this pretty fast. I, I get to the point quick and assume that you know what I'm talking about so that you don't ask me any questions about it. Um, 
Okay, so book of John, this is one of four gospels or books in John, so four accounts of Jesus' life told by people that were actually with Jesus through his life and his ministry. And John helps us to answer the questions, who is Jesus and what has he come into this world to accomplish? I think those are really important question for, questions for us to weigh in our lives. Who is Jesus what has he come into this world to accomplish for us? What's the meaning of this life? And what's special about this idea that we have a God uh, and a Savior that lowered himself to make way for us and does the work to bring us to him? This is, this is what we want you to hear out of Hiawatha every week. We want you to read in, in the word here. And we, um, we see it all over John. So I would encourage you, if you're if you're wondering kind of what to read next in the Bible or you're not very familiar with the Bible generally and you're a little intimidated, I would just read through John. We're preaching through John in small snippets, which is great. You get pieces of this and you will be told this every week. We say who Jesus is and what he came into this world to do. But reading through and seeing it all together is very powerful as well and asking these questions of yourself. It's, it doesn't have to be an intimidating exercise to read the word in this way. And if you want to talk about that or have questions, come talk to me or, or anyone here on staff or the elders. Um, we're happy to talk to you and, and help you with that journey. We think it's important. Okay, so who is Jesus and what did he come into the world to accomplish? That's the, those are the big questions that you get out of John. Um, I'll just say uh, we're going to go down a little bit here and then I'll kind of wrap it up with those two questions again. So John 10, 22 through 30, feel free to open up your Bibles. There's pew Bibles in front of you, or you can use an app on your phone. And I'm going to read this now. At, the time of the, at that time, the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem. That's Hanukkah, just in case we're, people were wondering. So it's a big deal. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and, you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. The sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Okay, so here's where we are in the story. The first half of John has seven signs in it or miracles that are intended to help us on this idea, or John's trying to tell us who Jesus is and what did he come to the world. These are, these are signs because they're pointing ahead to something more. And so we've gone through... The first five here, Caleb preached uh, a couple weeks ago um, on John 9 when he healed the blind man. That was the sixth miracle. And we're kind of in this discourse of things or ramifications of that running off of that healing. So people are all in a stir about it. So, so Caleb preached and, and uh, shared with us about that. And then I think it was Chris Thompson was the next week and just in talk through the Pharisees had brought in this blind man and he, they're trying to figure out what really happened and, and probably shape the story towards what they need it to be for them to feel like it, they understand what's going on. Then Jesus enters the scene and Jesse talked about that last week where, um, where Jesus is directly interfacing with the Pharisees or the leaders and he's saying, I'm the good shepherd. 
and, and kind of helping them to see who he is. And then he leaves there, and now he's out in public. And he is walking, and there's a crowd gathering around him because they want to now know it's their turn to find out what's going on. Tell us, tell us what it is. So their question is, um, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. So they're saying, who are you? They are actually asking one of the primary questions. Who are you? Are you the Christ? Uh, let me see here where my notes are. So, well, this thing is going crazy on me. Does this happen to you? You're in charge of this and the air conditioning, and that's it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, so they're looking for a Christ. Uh, and what a Christ is to them, it's, they, it's a term they use, Messiah. And they also use the term deliverer. But they are under oppression. And they, in their scriptures, which we refer to as the Old Testament, promises this coming Messiah, this coming Christ, this coming deliverer that will free them from oppression. And they've gone through a lot of cycles of these oppressions, so they kind of know what it looks like. Someone comes in and conquers and like, like is a, a mighty warrior, and so they're looking for the next one to come. That's the next one. And they, they, they're using prophecies to figure out who this might be. So Spencer read a prophecy, um, and I think I might have it because we might refer to it here, to start the service here of who Jesus was going to be. And it says things like, uh, a lamb led to slaughter, a sheep before its shears is silent. Um, but what they're looking for is actually someone from the, uh, the it says the shoot, it, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from the root, his roots shall bear fruit. So they're looking for someone from the line of David to come in and be another warrior for them. So this is, um, sorry it's blurry, it's an old picture of David. I just found it in my basement. But... Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's an actual picture of David as a warrior. So they're longing for that. They're, they're under this oppression, and they want to just be on the winning side. They want, they want someone to come in and deliver them, and they want to partake in conquering. And that's I mean, a lot of the Old Testament. If you read that, it sounds really harsh um, towards, towards their enemies, and they want that because they are getting beaten down as a society, the Jewish people are. But they're mostly wrong about what that is, right? So, um, so they, they are missing some of these other prophecies around like how he will come in weakness and, and, what, and how he will die and how he will be pierced. They're looking for the mighty warrior. So they're trying to figure him out because they've got this box that they think their coming Christ is going to be. They've kind of framed up who he will be, and he comes in, and he doesn't look like that, right? He, he comes in in weakness. He comes in uh, born in a manger as a human, and he is gentle with people, and he's engaging with people that aren't like them. They, they believe everyone's their enemies. And, and, but at the same time, he's performing these signs, so they're trying to figure out who Jesus is. And I think we do this too. I think we... If, if we're to take this on and really think about it, we kind of shape who we think Christ needs to be for the problems we're feeling right now, right? Like what we feel in society, we feel a real brokenness in the world. 
we feel a real need, a separation of people, disunity, and we think, oh, my Jesus is going to be this way. And, uh, and then so we start to pursue that, and then when he isn't that way, we have like this crossroads that we meet, right? Am I going to pursue truth of who Jesus is, or am I going to move and keep shaping Jesus or God in the image that I've kind of set that he needs to be for us? And I don't know if you like, can pick up my tone, but that's bad. The second one's bad. Okay, so then they can't figure out Jesus. And so he answers them right away. He says, I, I told you and you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. You don't believe because you are not my sheep. We can't be convinced into belief. God, um, God is... All, always showing us we can see the work of God in people, we can see the work of God in nature, we can see the word of God in the work that, in the story of Jesus' um, rescuing of us, but we can't really be convinced of it. We have to encounter God for it. Okay, so how then do we become Jesus' sheep so we can understand them? Um, in John 10, 22, or sorry, 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. That's it. Like, we hear his voice, and that's how we become his sheep. I told you this is going to go super fast. Um, so we, the change that we long for so that we can understand who Jesus is has to come from him. And when we are changed, then we follow him. Not because we have a debt that we're paying or we're keeping our end of the deal, but because we can't help but follow him. We are now changed and we're connected to Jesus just because he's called us and we've experienced him. So what does it mean to follow then? Because I think we... We talk about that this every week, generally, like, hey, we're changed by Christ. And a lot of you are probably thinking, well, yes, I'm so grateful that that has happened to me. But um, following him isn't like just a, okay, I've been changed by Jesus. Now it's time for me to do my job. He's done his. Even if his job was air conditioning. I'm dying up here. I don't know if it's nerves or if it's actually the air conditioning. Okay, so, so... John 15, 3 and 4, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, neither can you unless you abide in me. So same pattern here. I have spoken to you. You are clean. And so the next step is abide in me. That's, that's what Jesus is asking us for. This is what it looks like to be a Christian to abide in Jesus and know his love for us. As we do that more and more, we won't be able to, we won't be able to help but to look like him. It's, we're not called to strive to like, per, like be righteous on our own. It's be in Jesus and righteousness follows. Be in Jesus and we will understand more and more his kindness towards us and that will lead us to repentance, to kill sin. Be in Jesus and we will receive the fruit of the Spirit, and we'll demonstrate that fruit. We'll be, on a city, we'll be a city on a hill that points to him. 
When we strive for these things as tasks or goals, we move on from Jesus and we add to his work, which we can't do because that's making it about us and that won't sustain. When we abide in his love for us, these things happen out of us because of him. Because we are, the, we are a branch that is bearing fruit from the vine that we're connected to through him. This, I hope you guys find rest in this. This is something that I think we are constantly like feeling like we have to control our situation or we have to achieve because that's what's rewarded in our job or we feel more involved or engaged if we're like figuring out how to do, do the things we've been asked to do so that we can become a better Christian. Um, all we're called to do is to follow him. And if you look at the model of the disciples when he called them to follow, they just were with him. And through that, they were changed by that. Through that, they saw the genuineness of his love. And we can be that for each other in community. We can abide in him through the word and we, in prayer. Like those are the simple things. It's not a huge program or a set of spiritual disciplines to achieve next level Christianity. It's about abiding in him. I know that's hard and there's some people that wrestle with that here and we, we talk to a lot of you. We'll continue to talk to you, but we want you to hear that shepherding of like it's okay to abide in Jesus. That doesn't mean we coast. But he, um, when we truly understand that his love for us, when we dive into it deeper and we see it, then gratefulness and gratitude comes out of that. And that's where true heart change is, not through management of following the rules or getting stronger day by day on some sort of fitness routine for Christianity. Makes me think of parenting, like a lot of like, I was just talking to someone and like parent, I was, um, we, we try to like parent and control the situation through like the rules of like, you got to do this and you can't do that and you can't do that. And none of that actually helps. It helps protect them maybe in different situations, maybe helps protect our family, but more so it doesn't change their hearts, right? Like we want to cherish our children we want to love them and we want to uh, help them to know that we support them and we are sacrificing for them and hope that that's what changes them to thrive. It's the same for us. So Jesus wants us, like we want our kids, not our work. All right, where am I? Okay, so remember the original question is, are you the Christ? Are you the one that is coming to deliver us? His answer to that question is actually, and they say, I can't figure you out, basically. And he says, yeah, you can't figure me out because I didn't call you. Um, and, and so then his answer to their question is, I give eternal life. Like, I, I call, um, they, I know them, or they hear my voice, I know them, they follow me, and I give eternal life. Um, I think what we can learn from that is life is temporary, right? He's talking about the Jewish people have a bigger problem than what they're looking to be solved right now. We have a bigger problem, an eternal problem. And if we think in terms of eternity, then all of the other needs that we have, the things we expect out of society or peace or policy or whatever it is, those things very look temporary to us and fade in importance. 
We can, so eternity exists. The problem that we have is we can't access that on our own. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says, that For the wages of sin is death. We can't, the, our sin has created a debt that can't be paid with anything except for a death for justice to be served. We are separated from God. But eternity exists, and God loves us, and he wants to make a way for us, and he does make a way for us. Jesse preached last week on this passage here, but Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. So we hear his voice, we become his sheep. He is our good shepherd. He lays down his life for us, and he takes away our sins. That's the simplicity of the gospel. Um, that is what changes us, but also continues to change us as we grow in, in sanctification, which is a fancy word for like becoming more like God and more like Jesus. And this is a free gift for us. He did it out of love, not duty. Um, Hebrews 12 says, he did this for the joy that was set before him. He sees us at the end of this terrible, gruesome death, and he continues to move through that in love because he sees us at the end of it. So Jesus delivers us from death. So the rest of these two verses um, says for Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and all are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus, Christ Jesus. And Romans 6.23 finishes with, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is a gift. It's prepared for us. It's what we actually need. He knows better than we do. Um, we just receive it. And in the beginning of John, uh, he writes, for all who received him, he gave, he, we become children of God. So we come into his family. All right, last part of this verse here before I melt. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think this, we have one more encouraging word here. Once he has us, we can't be snatched from his hand. We are in him and he is in us. So we, he know, um, says that he, we hear his voice and he knows us. So we're kind of together, connected, and in the same way that he and the Father are connected. So there's a security in that. Romans 7, Paul talks about um, just this wrestle of being sinful, changed, but still sinful, and how can those two things coexist? And he moves right into um, saying after that, there's no condemnation but now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so we could take an encouragement from that that says, yes, we can struggle with things, but that doesn't, that doesn't make our salvation, that doesn't make our standing with God, um, like, it doesn't, it doesn't shake that. It, like, it's not insecure. We have that. Jesus has covered us forever. We're connected through him. Okay, so who is Jesus? 
back to the high-level stuff, because I'm a high-level guy. Um, Jesus is Christ. He is God. He and the Father are one. And what did he come to accomplish? He came to accomplish conquering death, to call us his own, and to give us eternal life as a free gift. This is the message that we want to share with you every week. This is what we want to drive us as a church and as believers. This is what we want you to be driven by and encouraged by as a church and believers and, uh, and encourage others as well in community. So if you have any questions about that, we'll be up here um, at the end of the service. But I hope you take this truth today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that our standing with you is not dependent on us once we're in Christ. Um, God, and I pray that that will help to calm anxieties that we feel, that it will help to um, knock down pride that we might have in our ability to be more disciplined or in the things that we do, and that we will move those out of the way and just look to abide in you and rest in your love and... Um, and be changed by your love, Lord. Give us hearts of gratitude for this. Give us a community that um, encourages one another in the gospel in this way. Give us um, confidence to approach you um, in your throne, Lord. And uh, yeah, and continue to prepare the good works that you have for us while we're abiding you, Lord. Pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.